You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, friends, and welcome to this edition of the Thirsty Dogs Drink Faster podcast on the SB Nation Podcast Network. I am Paul Hudrick, and I am joined, as always, by Seamus Clancy, and we have plenty to discuss, as always. Not the greatest news off the top, obviously, with Jalen Hurts' shoulder injury. His status against Dallas on Christmas Eve is unknown at this point. He spoke today, and I it was he's a tough guy to read, So, we'll, but we'll get into all that. We're, we're clearly going to talk some Sixers as well. They're on a winning streak. Five games. Look at them go. Uh, an ugly win against Toronto, but an ugly win is still a win. So we're going to get into that a little bit. And then if we have some time, we'll delve a little bit into some Philly stuff and some Flyer stuff at the end. But Seamus, I want to start with Jalen Hurts' injury. Let's start with, first of all, it's been a little bit weird because I, I feel like a lot of people are almost like patting themselves on the back for being right about him you know, running too much and being like, oh, well, we, we kept saying he's going to run too much and he's going to get hurt. That's weird to me. I don't know how you feel about that, like doing a little too much. People, a lot of people on Twitter, and this is like such a small percentage of the overall Eagles fan base, right? We're, sure. we're dealing with a minuscule amount of people in this echo chamber. But a lot of people care more about being right than yeah. the success of their favorite team of their players. Again, I'm saying this as someone who's a fan my whole life, meeting them or now, whatever you want to say. But I, I think there are people who are like, oh, I, I knew they should have done that. Well, I knew he was hurt that play and they should have stopped taking him out of the game. I'm right for that. And they're thriving or like even worse, getting off on the idea of being right rather than saying, shit, uh, we have three games to go. Hurts needs to probably play at some point at the rest of the playoffs. Are they going to be able to beat any of these teams with Minshew? Probably. Seems very likely to me. I think they go down in Dallas and win on Sunday, Saturday, but mm. different discussion entirely. We'll have that discussion. We'll have that discussion too. But did you get any like, – they haven't obviously haven't ruled him out. Sirianni, I guess, felt more. It felt more like he's not going to play. Hertz was a little bit more cagey about it. I guess you would say. Uh, do you? Uh, he's not playing, right? There's, there's no way. He's not going to play. No. Uh, okay. uh, that's that's not based on any insider information. Uh, Jimmy Kemsky from Philly Voice uh, had a report yesterday before the national news broke that. Uh, Jalen got x-rays after Sunday's game and then things trickled out of his spring shoulder. So I, I knew there was something afoot a little bit, but gut reaction says he doesn't play on Saturday. I know that's certainly not what he wants. That's that's again, that's not insider info. That's just knowing who Jalen is to speaking to him a couple of times in press conferences in the locker room, things like that. That's the competitor that he is. I feel like they're going to need to put that dude in a straight jacket to keep right. him off the fields in Dallas, too. In right? Dallas, a team he's never beat Zach Prescott. He's had losses in Dallas the last in 2021 and 2020. Played poorly in both of those games. He wants to go down there when he wants to clinch the first the first round by the number one seed. Everyone wants to do that. That's that's the ultimate regular season goal. Regular season goal for an NFL team. So it's gonna be hard to keep him out there. And that's part of what makes him great, right? That's the competitor than in him. Those are the intangibles that have been apparent since he was a freshman at Alabama and are now mixed with these somehow some way elite passing traits that he showcased this season. So I don't think he plays. I think Sirianni's comments today, again, not inside info, more so gamesmanship, warning Dallas to at least think they might have to prepare for two different quarterbacks on Saturday. Obviously a little bit different stylistically to say the least between Gardner Minshew and Jalen Hurts, though I think Gardner Minshew is probably closer to a, a top 25 quarterback than a top 40 quarterback. I think he could be best backup quarterback in the league, depending on how you view whatever goes on with the 49ers between Lance and Jimmy G and now Brock Purdy coming out of nowhere. But Minshew, 
at worst, one of the league's best backup quarterbacks. I think he's a fringe starter on some shitty teams that, you know, draft a, a quarterback in the first round, the 20th pick, and want to let him sit for four or five games. That's that's the Minshew. It's the Minshew zone for people. But, yeah, I, I don't see him playing. But it's going to be really hard, I think, behind the scenes. It's not like we're going to get some dirt. This isn't some gossip or drama, but it just speaks to who Jalen is that I'm sure it's killing him not to be out there. And, again, not based on anything, but I'm sure if this was a playoff game on Saturday, this was the Saturday divisional game, I'd be more inclined to think we're going to see Jalen Hurts out there. I think he's got a shot to play. I don't know. And that, that, Maybe that's he does. Based, Maybe he does. That's based off less than nothing. Like, that's not even – not only is that not insider information, that's based off no information whatsoever. It's just like a gut feeling of, like, all the stuff kind of you just said where Jalen Hurts is having this unbelievable MVP season. He's got a chance to beat Dallas in Dallas and clinch a division, clinch the one seed. And I just I think he is going to try to do everything in his power to try to play a football game. Now, maybe it, like, you know, the, the writing on the wall certainly seems like he's he's probably it's it's probably better for him and better for the team that he doesn't play. Correct. But we'll see. I, I don't know. Um, I, and I definitely want to talk to you a little bit about Minshew, too, because I, I, I'm, I'm with you with a lot of the stuff you say about him. But real quick, do you watch the show Atlanta? I haven't watched this season, but I do. Okay. So, but you're familiar with the show. You're familiar with the characters. Absolutely. Yes. Doesn't Jalen Hurts sound like Darius? Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you can right. totally hear that. Very, very smooth. Right. Very, exactly. Very smooth just like smooth them. and composed and like relaxed and so nonchalant. And yeah, just it took me so long to figure out. I'm like, what? Who the hell does Jalen Hurts remind me of when he speaks? And then Carrie said it one day. We were just like, like watching the news or something. And they had a clip, and she's like. I thought it was Darius from Atlanta. I'm like, oh my god, that's it. That's I, I couldn't figure it out. And there it is. I think you bringing up his press conference is noteworthy. I watched it today. I wasn't down at the Novacare Complex. I watched it from the office. And you always talk about, or I shouldn't say always. You did talk about how sometimes it's hard to get a read on him. And I think he's pretty plays pretty coy. Plays things close to the chest when he speaks with the media. Again, that's just who he is. He's not going to shed light on himself. He's not going to do anything like that. He's more about the team. Yada yada yada. We know who he is as the intangible stuff. But I thought he spoke a little bit more openly and uh, I don't want to say friendly in a way that he's standoffish, but just more openly today than I anticipated him doing with the, you know, he's the biggest topic in town always this season, but even more so with this specific injury situation. Yeah. And it's, uh, uh, yeah, I guess it's it, the the term I would use and it's not necessarily a bad use is that he's just a little guarded. Um, guarded, yeah, I don't yeah. think that has a negative connotation. Like, I don't. No, want to have not at all. I, I don't. Some people might, but I, I yeah. think guarded can be good, especially when you are the quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah. I think guarded is is a fine thing to be. Sure. Uh, but for this week, potentially this week's Eagles starting quarterback, uh, I would say he is not quite as guarded. <laughs> um, maybe one of the most. The least guarded quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, like yeah, maybe maybe the most interesting quarterback. I mean, it, you know who I get a little bit, and I mean, I, it's a little bit um, before your time, but I mean, I just get I get some Jim McMahon vibes, and I mean oh, totally, the best, totally. in the best way possible. And I, I view it as for me, Gardner Menchu is a competitive, competitive dude. Like for so many reasons. He wants to win this freaking game if he starts. Oh my because, god! One because he it's just him, like right, like he he's got a chance to start. He wants to, he wants to win, and he wants to go down to Dallas, and he wants to beat Dallas. And then I think the other thing is he's not he's a smart dude too. He knows if he looks good in this start and helps the Eagles clinch a division in Dallas, mm. free agent this offseason, unrestricted yep. free agent. So again, that plays into what I said a little bit. He could be the guy that's the the bridge quarterback that starts, you know, does he start six games for the Houston Texans last next year with Jonathan Gaddon as head coach or Shane Steichen oh. as head coach while they let Bryce Young develop uh, behind the scenes? That could that could that's a realistic path, I think, not a given or anything like that. And additionally, it's this is more sentimental note. Uh, Jalen Hurts wasn't at pre- today's walkthrough at practice, not a participant. How are they wanted? They're worried about their designations on walkthrough days because they're not actually legit practicing, but it's based on whether they think they would have practiced given these conditions. Uh, Gardner Minshew also not in town today. He was uh, away at you know college football innovator, originator, uh, kind of a legend in the coaching field, Mike Leach, 
who most recently coached uh, Mississippi State, had passed away uh, recently, that he was at his funeral. And I believe it was reported that he actually gave a eulogy at the funeral. Oh, wow. Minshew was quarterback under Leach at Washington State uh, several years back before Leach left there. Uh, Leach, really innovator of the air raid offense, brought up a lot of those techniques at uh, you know the mid two thousands at Texas Tech. Those Michael Crabtree teams, Crabtree teams, and things that came up from there and spread throughout the Big Twelve and the Pac twelve and all those things. So I think there's going to be even an extra element for him on a super duper personal level, given the loss of someone. And I know reporters spoke to him last week after uh, Leach's Leach's passing and. Uh, just emotional about it, understandably. You know, quarterback and an offensive guru or the offensive play caller are always going to have some sort of relationship, whether it's good or bad. But it's clear in uh, the case of Minshew and Leach, there was legitimate connection there. And I'm sure he wants to ball out one because, as you said, he's a competitor. Two, he wants a job next season. He believes he's a starter. We remember last year he, he starts for Jalen Hurts, plays really, really well in the Meadowlands against the Jets. There's 242 yards, two touchdowns, zero turnovers. Eagles win 33-18. He goes and Nick Sirianni's office next day, and he was like, "I want the starting job." And, and I, I obviously don't know exactly what he said, but Sirianni's just like, uh, "Like, no, it's it's Jalen Hurts." <laughs> like, as nice as possible, like, "No, you're not starting." But that's how he views himself, and that's how any backup quarterback should envision himself. That's how any NFL player should envision themselves. So he's going to want to win. A competitor. B wants a new job next year. Wants money. Wants all those things. Wants that those things every NFL player wants. And C super personal note. Probably wants to do it and show out for Mike Leach, I would think. Again, I haven't spoken to the guy. I don't I don't know what he's feeling, but it's hard not to imagine that, I would think. Uh, Minshew doesn't have an NFL career without Mike Leach, right? I mean, he, Absolutely. Trans- I mean, he was transferred a, there. He and was a sixth or seventh a, round pick. Yeah, so right. he's a late he round a monster pick. numbers there, yeah. and that is what got him drafted. He wouldn't be an NFL quarterback without it. So it's Absolutely. Pretty, so I, I'm sure there is a lot of extra motivation there for Gardner Minshew. It's cool. And, it, and like I, from a story standpoint, Hell of a story. It hell would be a, a hell of a story if he goes down to Dallas and wins that game. And to your point earlier, I think it's possible. It is would not be the craziest thing in the world. I think one thing that's huge that came out today as well, uh, Dallas Goddard, going to play. That's enormous. I, I, I've seen a lot of people make note of Gardner Minshew and him already kind of having that connection. Dallas had a huge game against the Jets when Minshew started. The only um, two-touchdown game of his career was that yeah. game and he had 105 yards which is the second highest total of his entire career. There it is. So and then also, you know, Minshew's never when he when he played in this offense, the, the Dallas game doesn't count even yeah. though he actually yeah, that was pretty count. good. That uh but he didn't have AJ Brown, right? He didn't have the, the offense wasn't humming the way it was. So Minshew almost has to play like a point guard, right? Like he just has to get the ball in guys' hands and I think that is what he is very good at. Like that that's the thing uh, when you talk about the air raid offense, when you talk about his early career, w- when he's had success, it is get the ball out on time, get the ball in the playmakers' hands, and let them do the work. And I think that's his strength, and I think that suits this offense very well. And I think they should not to be the just uh, the meathead. And I do. I think Sunday, every Eagles fan out there wanted the them ball. to run the ball more. I think, and when you say run the ball, you mean running the ball with the actual running backs rather than the quarterback. Again, that's not just some money, money, Monday morning quarterbacking or Tuesday evening quarterbacking here where you're saying, well, that's why Jalen Hurts got hurt. But look at the numbers. I've heard about Minshew today on Philly Voice. It was in, in last year's Jets game. Again, the Eagles won by double digits up in the Meadowlands on the road. Jets team last year obviously is nowhere near as good as this Dallas team is this year. But they ran it with running backs 36 times. Kenny Gainwell had 12 carries. Miles Sanders had 24 carries. For 120 yards, should be a Miles Sanders game on Sunday or Saturday. I should say. I keep saying Sunday. Dallas, I, I believe, I is is fourth in pass defense DVOA and third in passing yards allowed, but they're tenth in rush defense DVOA and 24th in rushing yards allowed. So they I think an offense that's predicated on quick throws from Minshew to his playmakers, Dallas Goddard in the intermediate routes getting the balls in the hands of playmakers like Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown who can make stuff happen after the catch, down the field, whatever you want to do, the, the most dynamic duo in the league outside of those two guys in Miami, and then healthy, healthy dose of Miles Sanders out there. Who's played pretty well, I think, in his career against the Cowboys. Right. Is there a particular – you know, Parsons is Parsons. He's unbelievable, um, arguably the 
best defensive player in the entire NFL. Is there are, are there any matchups you look at against Dallas particularly that scare you on either side of the ball? Well, I guess the Parsons ones is an obvious one, and yeah. I think Parsons played, and it sounds hyperbolic, but the guy's just been an immediate superstar as, as soon as he stepped on the NFL field. Was his worst game was probably that Eagles game from earlier the season. Perfect, perfect schematic makeup from Steichen and Sirianni, Brian Johnson, that whole you know offensive brain trust, however you want to call it. They were making it, you know him read Hurts every time. And that was just blowing his brain up. His brain was in a pretzel, didn't know what to do. And that speaks to the creativity of this offense and the, um, you know, you want to view however you want to view Josh Allen as a runner, but I think really unparalleled ability as both a passer and a runner, the way that Jalen Hurts present himself. Obviously, Gardner Minshew is going to be able to replicate that. Uh, so I think that it's going to call for a big Lane Johnson game. It's going to call for a big Jordan Mailata game. It's going to call for that offensive line to, showcase why they're elite unit, not just in the running game, but in the passing game. I know Lane Johnson subtweeted Michael Parsons last week after all his comments about Jalen Hurts being assistant quarterback. And I'm sure, sure, a lot of those guys wanted to ride down there with Jalen and kick their friggin' teeth in yeah. and showcase that Jalen Hurts is not just the MVP, but Jalen, the Hurts, like the system hurts. Like he's the system. And I, I agree that I, I think that. it's an unbelievable coaching job. So you're on coach of the year. And we'll see if he doesn't play the last three games. But I, I thought to this point in the season, Jalen Hurts with the NFL MVP, obviously bias on covering and writing about the team every single day. But at the same time, I think those guys want to beat the shit out of them, for sure. And Parsons and, and, and especially. And again, that's that's the obvious one, right? That Michael Parsons maybe the best defensive player in the NFL right now, which is, which is wild. But if they can confuse him a little bit, and again, I have – a lot, a lot of confidence in this coaching staff, more than I ever imagined I would 13, 14 months ago, right? Yeah. It's going to be fun. I, it's going to be – people say that the game lost some juice be because of the lack of it, – it's really out of Dallas's hands. They're almost all but locked into the fifth seed right now. So, yeah. But at the same time, you still have to win one of these last three games. It's, it's not over. They didn't clinch anything yet. Right. If they go down there and lose – the Saints team, if they win this week, they're still alive to win the yeah. NFC South. And the Giants in Week 18 are going to probably going to make the playoffs, and we're going to be fighting around for a wild card spot. There's no guarantee if you go down there and lose in Dallas, and you know the way the fan base was all like, "Oh, it doesn't matter. You should rest their stars against Dallas." I'm like, what are you talking about? They're NFL no. players. They're not robots. Yeah. You can't do that. You don't just play your friggin' Yu-Gi-Oh card face down in defense <laughs> mode. You got to go out there and try and win. And, and if that doesn't happen in Dallas, they only have two games left to win. They need to win one of them. And who knows? New Orleans comes in here as a great game plan. They face Jalen Hurts every year of his career. Jalen Hurts is back. They they have a lot of tape of how they played against him. Jalen Hurts has dominated them. At the same time, if he's not 100% himself, they've played him a bunch. It's not a guarantee. That could be a dogfight for all we know. So it, And it did, it did. No, and you're right that it, it clearly meant more like this game means more to them for so for, for the players for so many reasons. Yeah, not not the least of which is is the Jalen Hurts talk and all that. And like you heard, I, I love my Alada's comments. That was they it was incredible. Um, we're not the playing Chicago with, Michael Parsons. Yeah, yeah that, that was great. That was yeah, great. great. Um, and maybe they maybe he was right. Maybe they should, maybe Michael Parsons and the Cowboys should have been a little bit more worried about their opponent last week than they should have been worried about whether or not Jalen Hurts is the MVP. But good old Doug strikes again. Yeah, good. Oh man, that the Hagen does uh, for all. How did wonderful. you were you watching that on Red Zone? With this? No, so I'm it, it it immediately flicked over after the Eagles were done. Actually, oh, so man, I, I was, saw I, I saw the overtime. That was more entertaining. That that interception was more entertaining than any single thing that happened the entire Eagles game. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Although the AJ Brown catch was pretty, that one uh, sideline catch was pretty spectacular. That was a very fun play. And but, that was um, after and that was after he hurt his shoulder. Yes, I know. That's what's wild to me is like Hurts got hurt. He hurt his shoulder, and, and he actually maybe one of his five, six, seven best passes of the season. Yes, and like legit. And not only that, I, I thought that was like the bet. Like after he got hurt, I feel like that's like he was really locked in and made a lot of really yeah, nice yeah, throws. Right. It's, it's wild. We have a rookie of the year situation, bro. <laughs> but but I'm with you too that. You can't play around with stuff like that no. because these are grown men. They're competitors. They want to win. So you can't mess around and say like, ah, you know, we're not going to play this guy or that guy. Yeah, no, Like, no, if Jalen Hurts was healthy enough to play a football game, he's if he's healthy game. enough to play a football game, he's going to play, right? Like that. They're not going to sit a guy 
like you said, you can't mess around with that kind of thing because you're messing around. You are messing around with psyche because what if they do lose? And but like it's just it's a it's a road you don't want to go down. You so don't want to mess with those hypotheticals. So many dominoes. Yeah, I will say I love you. Um, you brought up the system thing. I, I I don't know who you might have even shared it. It was uh the Walter White meme. And said, I oh, am I the system. Do it, but that was great. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I was great. like, oh my God, that's so awesome. Was it was great. so perfect. And, uh, and yeah, Hertz is just such a likable player. And it, it sucks that this happened to him. I'm, I'm so, I'm so bummed for him that this, cause he would, this was setting up so perfectly for him that narrative to just be in the play well and just, oh man, it was, it was all setting up so the perfectly. MVP version of like the Heisman moment in college. Yeah, right? That's what it was. Yeah. That's it's a national it's it. it's a game that's uh only on Fox. It's not at the night game, it's not on the Sunday oh, game. But but that, still... actually, that actually is literally a national televised game. Fox will be showing that game in every single market. And who's and I, I I think Burkhart. strongly that more people are gonna be watching that than what is it like Steelers Raiders? Uh, I th- yeah, that's the eight o'clock game. Yeah. I think people so probably I, I just, they're celebrating having Christmas Eve festivities. Just a hunch. I think more people are going to be watching Eagles Cowboys. Just my my feeling on that. So that, so yeah, that would have been the bigger game. But it is. It, it's a bummer that that we're not going to get to see that, and that these guys can't just go in and. But but like you know what? It's you know you don't want to sound this sounds almost dire, but like it's not win one for Jalen, but it kind of is in a weird way. Um, because you know th- um, they're going to have a little bit of an extra chip on their shoulder, and I do. I'm agreeing with you that this does have the potential to be a big Miles Sanders game, and it should be a big Miles Sanders game because if you're going to attack Dallas's defense, I think that's the way you attack it. I'm He's fresh little... from last week. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Um, I, I am a little bit concerned. Uh, the defense has been so good, but I, I do, uh, and, and I thought they were really good last week. Other than than Fields, just being ridiculous as a running quarterback now um, and, and almost willing them to, to win in certain aspects. But I am curious. It's been a while since they've been really tested by a good quarterback, right? Like that's what I'm a little bit worried about with the defense, not to say they can't step to the challenge, not to say they won't, but I, I that Dak Prescott's still a hell of a quarterback. I'm sure he's not last week, the way he played, not that he played poorly, but you know, and not that that interception was entirely his fault, but I'm sure that's stewing on his brain, and I'm sure he really wants to go in and 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 have a big game. Even though they, you're right, they are locked into that fifth spot. That's probably the way that's going to go. But I, I think they have. There's plenty of juice for this game. I think from both sides. I don't think either side is taking it lightly. I don't think either side is thinking like ah whatever. I think both sides are. This is Eagles Cowboys. This is Christmas Eve in Dallas, and I think both are viewing this as a national primetime game. Even though maybe it's not quite that. Um, literally, I, I think everyone's looking at it like that. We're going to take a quick break here on the Thirsty Dogs Drink Faster podcast. Uh, right after this, we're going to talk the Philadelphia 76ers, who are on a nice little run here, and then maybe we'll talk some Phillies and Flyers after that, but we'll see. Uh, but we're going to take a, a quick break. We'll be right back with more right after this. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between so you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
And we're back, and we're going to talk the Sixers. They're on a seven-game homestand right now. They've won the first five of those games, Seamus. Five in a row after coming home from an ugly three-game homestand. The latest win, just a total slop fest against the Toronto Raptors, which is what the Toronto Raptors do. Uh, that was the most Sixers-Raptors game possible. It really was. Just The second half was just, it was borderline unwatchable. <laughs> so bad. Um, but Tobias Harris, big shot making. This even including the one that got wiped off that maybe shouldn't have, maybe should I don't know. It's there was a lot of refing happening in that game. And I don't mean that to say that the Sixers it was a lot of refing both ways, just a lot of over officiating, in my opinion. Like you just let let guys play basketball. But I, I want to ask you, what do you view the reason, the biggest reason why they've been able to win five games. Cause you have a lot of things to play, right? Uh, Harden and Embiid have both been playing well. They've both been playing well off each other. I feel like the bench and a lot of the, the supporting cast has been very good guys playing very, very well. Their defense, they are now third in the NBA in defensive rating, which if you would have told me that a month ago, I would have said, how the hell have they done that? Cause it's a pretty big turnaround considering how they started the season. But then the last thing, and I know this is, you know, maybe I'm, I'm being a little negative in, in throwing this out there, but it hasn't exactly been the most difficult five games. You know, yeah. the, the, the best teams they played, the Warriors were decimated by injuries. The Raptors are, they're banged up and they're just playing really bad basketball right now. And they took the Sixers to overtime. And then obviously the Kings, the Kings are a fine team. They've had a nice year. Charlotte is Charlotte. They didn't have Lamelo Ball either that night, um, and I'm struggling to think of the first. The first win was against the Lakers, where they almost blew it, and it was not so pretty. But what what do you view as the biggest reason why they've been able to rip off these last five games? Tobias has showcased some 2021 vibes where he was getting some All Star buzz, right? And I think he settled in nicely in a role aside both Harden and Embiid. And again, his role and his production doesn't match his contract, the contract that he was offered, the contract all of us would have signed with us if we were him. Obviously not. And he'll never live that down when he's in Philadelphia, but that doesn't mean he can't still be a productive player. And I really like what I've seen as of late for him and particularly last night against Toronto. Clutch vibes. The closer. Big shots. Yeah. And I, I, I'm with you. Like if he... If you I mean, made, it's because they, it's because Embiid and Harden are playing well, but that's obvious. I, I do like what I've seen from Tobias, though. If Tobias Harris made twenty million dollars a year, everyone would be so on board with him, and everyone would love him. Oh my because, god, it's not even close. Yeah. yeah, but because he makes almost forty million dollars, it's and I, I don't know who described it to me. It might have even been you, but like he he is a good player on a great player contract. Like that's it. Yeah. And I think there's there's it, it, like you and you can't begrudge a guy for signing a contract for a team overpaying him and him signing on the dotted line. That's anyone in their right mind would do it. It's I strive to be overpaid in life. I can't wait to be overpaid someday. Players. I mean, my goodness. Um, what a wonderful thing to say that I, I am overpaid at my job. That would be just a great thing to say one day, but you, you brought up 2021 vibes and the level of play I'll give you, but like the style of play, him taking th so I think he's at five and a half threes a game right now. It would be his highest total since before he got here in a season. Yeah. And in that season, it was he split it with Detroit and with LA, and he shot like forty one percent from three. We're, that's where we're at right now. He's like a forty two percent. He's shooting the hell out of the ball. And the one thing I've learned about Tobias, and I respect it about him, he is. He cares. Like the guy cares so much, and he is so. Like, he's so smart and he's so mentally into the game that I think he psychs himself out sometimes. Like, I think th there has never been a truer of the statement of there is nobody harder on X player than himself. Tobias Harris is that yeah. to a T. Like, he is harder on himself, I think, than anybody. He wants to be great more than anyone wants him to be great. And I think he lets the mental part of his game sometimes get in the way. Like, I, I think he's worried about, I want to shoot 40%. I, I think this year, though, there's not that. And it started last year, to, to his credit. It started last year, and it was a, I'm going to shoot. And he, he said this, like, I'm going to shoot and live with the results. That's what you've, like, that's what you should have been like. That's the mindset. That's like, the mindset like, you need. Because he's, he's a good enough shooter 
that, yeah, like he might have a one for seven game here or there, but he could come back and then have a six for eight game the next night. Like he's done that. He can do that. Like he is, the averages are going to be there for him. If he takes a high volume of threes, he's going to hit a high volume of threes. So he just needs to keep on taking them. The release is quicker. The mindset's quicker, making quicker decisions, playing better basketball, playing the perfect role off of Harden and Embiid. Absolutely perfect role for him. He's become a better defender, um, more effort on that end, more, more. And he's, he's talked before about him. He's literally worked on his lateral quickness to get better in that regard. Like, it's a credit to him that he has molded his game to fit this team perfectly. And despite the fact that he makes an awful lot of money, he's kind of shut the noise out and, and, and been able to step up and play such a huge role and, and such a critical role because he could be on another team and playing a bigger role and having the ball in his hands more. And we've seen him be capable of doing that when other guys are hurt. So for him to kind of, you know, be humble and take that step and, and just, and not say a word and, and just do it. Uh, that's such a credit to him and for the kind of team player he is. He also plays through a lot. Like he gets hurt a lot. Like he he hides a lot of injuries and he's admitted to that to us in the past. Like he hides a lot of injuries and plays through a lot of stuff. He is a team first guy. And I just, I, I you know, I don't want to sound like I'm, I, I'm working for his dad, Toral, who is his agent, <laughs> but like he's, he just really, I, I, it's, it's cool to see him playing well. It's cool to see him fitting well in this role and playing good basketball because I think he is a good dude. Does a lot of good uh, philanthropic things around the city and, and beyond. And so it's cool to see him play well and step up. But it's the biggest thing isn't beating Harden, right? Like if they're, if they weren't playing as well as they are right now, this team would be in trouble. And I wrote about it on Liberty Ballers that it's wild to think about. So that game the other night was only the 33rd regular season game those two have played together. That's yeah, it. I feel like I've watched games. a good 85. What's that? I feel like I've watched a good 85 of them. I know. It feels like that. And it's especially crazy when you keep in context, like, Joel Embiid only played 40 games in the regular season with Jimmy Butler. 40. So we're not even there yet. We're not even – James Harden and Joel Embiid haven't even played as many games as, as Joel Embiid and Jimmy Butler did. Um, and you look across both of their careers and all the kind of all-star duos, they both almost both went through, like, the Iverson thing of, like, well, who can we play with this guy? And now they're together and they're trying to make it work. So I I think and I'm not I'm not slam dunk saying it's gonna work, they're gonna be great together, but I think given the context of everything, like I, I think they need a little time. And I think they've earned they they've earned the right for a little time and a little patience with the way they played recently. That's just my two cents on, on their partnership. Well, save my venom for April. Dude, I love how I don't want to say checked out because that's strong, but like apathetic, but in yeah, like what's, what's five games eh. involved and attentive, but apathetic. And I feel like that's a lot of the fan base right now. I don't think you're alone in that feeling at all. I think that's actually the majority of the fan base probably feels that way. Yeah, five wins. That's nice and it's cool and it's fun to watch, but until you guys do it in April and May, I don't. I don't give a shit. And I, I respect it because here we are. It's I mean, we had second. my de- depressive episode rant a couple of weeks ago yeah. or whatever that was. Spot on, though. It was, I, I stand by everything I said. I think it was true. I think it, I don't know if it necessarily resonates the right word, but uh, sums up a lot of the fan base's feelings right resonates now. Where, yeah. I, I think it's it's a weird era. It's weird. We've seen this song and dance before. We've seen M- We've seen MB have these, and this isn't a critique of him in the slightest, but just illustrative of the greater point. We've seen him have these unbelievable performances, and it seems like every year he won, he one-ups himself in terms of the, the point output. The He's averaging 38 this week. He's averaging 44 over his last five or six games. We've seen that before, and then you know, we get wrapped up in the MVP voting and then finishes second to, to Jokic, who's probably going to win it for three years in a row, which is – like who gives a shit at this point? Like both for someone else, and it doesn't even have to be in B, but just there there has to be some some like the, the fresh. We need some fresh. Need some fresh, fresh people. Yeah, I'm yeah. Idea. especially uh, like if, if we can't keep giving it to a guy who who's 
is a fifth and sixth seed every year and gets knocked out in the first round. Like we gotta. Yeah, we can't just give it to the analytical darling every single. Year. Yeah, like we gotta let's, let's, let's mix it up. Let's go with like Giannis again. But then, then April comes in. He has some unbelievable performances and a couple where you're just like, uh, what did I just watch? And that's more so possession to possession rather than game to game because he's always bringing it. He's always having energy. He tries hard in the, in the defensively in the playoffs. He's always locked in defensively in the playoffs. So that I think that weight sometimes. You know, come the regular season, that's understandable given the entire grind and his history and all those things. But when it's game six in the second round in April and they're down three, two, it's like, uh, I, I don't want to be the same way we're talking about the these these Eagles fans who are like, oh, I was right about Hurts. He shouldn't run. Like, you, I'm not going to I'm not going to be excited in April. No, you want to be that, wrong. That yeah. I'm no longer covering Sixers for the rest of the year. It'd be great if I was wrong. This team when I was running, the fan base was excited and the city got behind them. I was you know, covering NBA Eastern Conference Finals games. That's the dream. But I don't know if it's a realistic one. Yeah. I haven't seen an Eastern Conference game since 2001. I haven't seen a game past the second round since 2001. I mean, you're you're a little bit older than me. I have... Uh, Thank you for saying a little bit. I, I've, I mean, so I was... I had just turned seven years old. I was born in May, 94. So in the playoffs, I'm six, seven range. So I really don't remember much at all of that run. Like I have no concrete memories of a specific Eastern Conference Finals game, which is very, very sad for all the time I've invested both in my personal life and professional life into this team over really the last decade. Shitty. I, I have vivid memories of that Eastern Conference Final for many reasons. One, I hated Sam Cassell so much. Hated him. Hated him, hated him, hated him. But have you so told good. him? Have you told him that? No, no. That'd be funny conversation. Day. Yeah, I know. I, I one day, one day, I might bring it up to him. But yeah, I couldn't stand him. I couldn't stand him. Um, I think you would love that. Oh no, he because he, he would love he that. He lived he, for that. Absolutely, exactly. he he's a guy that. who feeds off that shit. Absolutely. But I remember him. I remember how good he was. Like they, the Bucks, man. That trio was vicious. Cassell, Glenn Robinson, the third, or Glenn Robinson Jr. When he was at his peak, when he was really good, and Ray Allen when he was just kind of becoming a star. It was, it was a really good team. Uh, and the, I'll give you a vivid memory I have of that. I think it was like it was game six in Milwaukee. And Scott Williams, who was a backup center in Philadelphia for a spell, he smoked Allen Iverson, crushed him. Uh, got th- I got thrown out of the game. I think he got, even got suspended for game seven. Like That's how bad it was. And Iverson got up and played and played in game seven and, and led the Sixers to a win. And I remember... Scott Williams came on a podcast when I was at NBC and he said, I hit him so damn hard. I don't know how he got up. And I'm like, that gave me chills. I'm like, Oh my God. Like, but that, like, we, like, I need that. I need something like that. Right. Like the, I, it's, it's been, it's been too long since that's happened. Like I, I, I it's been 30 frigging years, like, or whatever, 20 years. I can't do math. Uh, it's been 20 years. I need, I need something. I someone need as someone who watched that in retrospect, would you have called the officiating fishy? As far as? Well, the the obvious and famous instance of that is the 2002 Western Conference Finals between the Kings and the Lakers. And there was really talk about the insane free throw disparity between mm-hmm. the Lakers and the Kings. Lakers end up going back to the finals. Kings feel like they have been shortchanged ever since in kind of led to the collapse of the franchise to put it correctly, I think. And then there's obviously the, you know, the referee controversy, the Ira Donahue, all of those things. But if it's kind of been taken off the internet, it's not a mainstream thing. But if you type in like Sixers box, Eastern conference finals, refereeing history, there's Bill Simmons has dropped nuggets of this over the years that the, the free throw disparity was outrageous. And again, I, I'm not looking at the numbers. I don't remember watching this. If I even watched it to begin with, um, in the hopes of having a L.A. Philly final. I mean, at the time, I would. I think any Eagles, Eagles, any Sixers fan would have signed up for that. You know, if, if last year, if two years ago they wanted to fix it so the Sixers would be in the finals, I would have been. Yeah, sure, why not? I can tell you why there was a disparity, though. I mean, it's because it's, Iverson draws the fouls, right? Yeah, the and because yeah. you have three players in Cassell, in Robinson, and Ray Allen, who were their three best players and their top shot makers. They all lived in the mid range. They were all mid range jump shooters. Like they weren't guys who drove to the basket. So, of course, you have Allen Iverson, who was generational in getting to the basket and drawing free throws, and you have three guys who lived in the mid range. Like I, I don't think that's I like, like a, 
That's why I asked for the take. That's why I want the take. Yeah. And they also, and also, the Sixers had an elite rim protector. They had freaking Dikembe Mutombo, one of the greatest rim protectors to ever play basketball, who was so good at contesting shots without fouling at the rim. Who the hell was Milwaukee? It was, it was like who it was. Uh, oh, what's his name? The old set. I can't remember. Was, he was tractor like, trailer on that team? No, I don't think so. I don't think so either. But a great name to say. Rest in uh, peace. It was just, it was older center. He's like in his like he was he had to be like in his like late 30s at that point. Johnson was his last name. I can't remember his first name for the life of me. I keep wanting to say Irvin Johnson, but that's not correct, obviously. Well, there um, was another um, Irvin Johnson. Was it Irvin? So it might have been him. It was there were probably two Irvin Johnsons. Okay. It was, then I think it was one, Irvin Johnson. One much better than the other one. Yes, clearly. Uh, I believe he was their starting center. And he had Scott Williams, who, again, like he was a Sixers backup center. That says all you need to know there. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, the, the contrast between – Hall of Fame rim protector to Kevin Matumbo in his prime, defensive player of the year that year, and Irvin Johnson at the rim. I mean, there's a lot of basketball reasons why that makes a lot of sense why the Sixers got more free throws. Imagine your name's Irvin Johnson. You make the NBA. You start a bunch of games. You have a nice career. You make some money, and you're not even the best Irvin Johnson who's ever picked up a basketball. It's crazy. Where people hear your name, and they think you're someone else. Someone – who has I, hundreds of million dollars of more money and fame than you could ever. That's what, I mean, I had to question myself whether or that not Evan Johnson exists. I feel bad for the guy. Well, not really. He's definitely made a lot more money than me. Yeah, he's, I'm sure he's doing great, and I'm sure he'll never see this. And nor will he I'm sure he could not give less of a fuck about it. Yeah, me. and nor should he because we're <laughs> no, idiots. No shit, um, no shit. <laughs> Uh, I, you know, I don't really have anything to add Phillies wise this week. I, I can't really, I mean, I ESPN had, to... had them as the winner of the off season. Ooh, our Phillies well, that's yeah, of course. Is this, Damn, uh, right. the, the troll take was it's too dream teamy, but that's, oh, I, don't cool. believe that. Get out of here. Um, I mean, they made one splashy Sonny to put them over the top when they had this infrastructure in place. and won this great run. I, right. I, I, I haven't seen anyone make that comp and I'm not trying to throw it out there. I don't believe it, uh, but that was my argument against any, okay. any of those thoughts? I, I'm not with it. I think that's yeah. I think it's. I think this is. It's not dream teamy at all to me. But anyway, final uh, piece of the puzzle. That's what it is. Yeah, and Taiwan Walker had his presser. I'm impressed by him. Uh, I, I like him a lot. I thought it was interesting. Jim Salisbury, who's the freaking goat, the like the best baseball writer ever. He, yes. um, he asked an interesting question to Taiwan Walker, and he said like. When Zach Wheeler first signed here, he heard about the Phillies analytics department. And like, that's part of the reason why he signed here. And you see the leap that Wheeler took after he left the Mets. And it got me wondering, I'm like, huh, let me look at Walker's numbers compared to Wheeler's before Wheeler signed with the Phillies. And I compared their 23 to 29 year old seasons. Pretty similar, pretty similar in a lot of stats. Zach Wheeler, obviously a little bit better because Zach Wheeler just, his stuff was so filthy always, and he had that 100-mile-an-hour fastball he was throwing around, but pretty close. And so I, I'm really intrigued by Tywin Walker. I know a lot of people view it as an overpay, and I get why. I, and I think it's a fair argument. I get why some people say that. But I think, one, clearly not wanting to get the um, the pick, you know, not with the qualifying offer, not wanting to surrender another draft pick was part of the overpay. And I think they see something in him that they're going to be able to get more out of him. The last thing I do want to bring up, because I want to talk about the Philadelphia Flyers for a second. Go for it. Because what the hell is John Tortorella doing? He benched Kevin Hayes in the third period of a game the other night. Kevin Hayes was pissed off and, like, is still pissed off. I love that when Kevin Hayes got in front of the media, he said, yeah, I don't agree with it. I don't agree with it because he, he didn't just do the like what Tortorella probably wanted him to do was to go out to the media and say, I understand we aired it out. We're good. And Kevin Hayes is like, nah, like I, I don't understand. Like, like whatever I'm going to, I'm going to play and I'm going to keep playing. But I wasn't cool with why he took me out of the game. I don't agree with it. Um, good for Kevin Hayes. Right. Because, and you nailed it from the, from the very beginning when Tortorella did this and you said, it's going to great on guys. Holy hell, we are there. Friggin' December 20th. I know. And it's grading on guys. I want to see if I get some any any Flyers nuggets for the podcast network. It's a team I am least connected to professionally, so uh, <laughs> but at the same time, some a team that I probably hear more things about. So I'd like to hear some some chatter about the franchise. Uh, it's I don't it's think boring. things are going well. I didn't 
from everything I could have seen uh, with my own two eyes. Again, I'm not someone who grew up around the game and playing the game the way I did basketball, football, and baseball. Obviously, I wasn't you know, some big athlete, but just playing as a kid. Uh, I didn't do that with hockey, so I'm a little disconnected from the game, but it just seemed very obvious from an outside perspective that they hired the most flyers, you know, trademark symbol coach possible in the worst environment possible to just coalesce into this mushy, messy, mediocre season that neither increases their chances of landing a a true star in the draft, nor does it uh, lead them to having some seventh seed miracle run to the Stanley Cup. They're just this amorphous blob of an organization. Just rebuild. Rebuild and come out and say, we're rebuilding. Like, there is no shame in that. What's shameful is what we're seeing. But they tried like, once, right? They, they tried to rebuild, and they half-assed it. They just kept around G a little too long, right? And that's is that the yeah. issue where – and they're, they oh, they have all these young guys. They have they have the best talent of young defensemen in the league. And uh, yeah. I, don't, I don't know about that one. I think this too. I think everyone was polishing the apple for Ron Hextall pretty hard. And I think he's done – like, he, he drafted some good players, but, like, some of these guys aren't what we thought they were, right? Like, Provorov's probably not what we thought he was. Like, no. people thought he was a number one lockdown defenseman, possibly like a Norris Trophy guy. He ain't that. Um, people thought Travis Konechny was going to be, you know, 30 goals, maybe a 100-point guy at some point in his career. He ain't that. Um, the, the one big thing, and it's so ironic, Carter Hart's awesome. He's, he's been better. Incredible. He had a really rough year. And he's looked more like his rookie self. And I think that's the is that the one silver lining for this organization than, than what happens. He gets some crazy restricted free agent offer next summer. He looks like one of the best goalies in, in, in all of hockey right now. He looks incredible. And there are guys that, like, show signs of life. Um, you know, like, like Sandham's a guy I like. I still think he's got a lot of skill. Um, I'll say this, too. Like, I saw... And I referenced Jordan Hall a lot because Jordan Hall is a guy. I read. There are really good people on the Flyers beat, but I read Jordan because I love Jordan. He's my guy. But he put out this quote, and he had this story on on Joel Farabee, who I like a lot. I actually think Joel Joel Farabee is one of the one of the bright spots too. I think he's going to be a hell of a player. I think he, the only struggling. two players on this team worth keeping are Carter Hart and Farabee. Those are the only guys I would view as like kind of untouchable. I'm with you on that. Not not necessarily untouchable, but like hey, like I think as these much guys as you are, can be. These guys are players in the future. Let's building grab blocks. everything else and keep these yeah. as uh, bottom floor building blocks. Yeah. I like. I think Sandheim's on the fringe of that too, but I'm with yeah. you but for the most part. But Jordan had a story on Farabee where Tortorella said the quote was just so shitty. It was like, I don't, I don't stay up at night or lose sleep or whatever thinking about how to get Joel Farabee going. He's got to get himself going. What are you doing? You're the coach. <laughs> you should be absolutely losing sleep over why Joel Farabee isn't playing well. And you absolutely should be doing everything in your power to get the most out of him. Not worrying about benching Kevin Hayes in the third period. Do you like, think Nick Sirianni is losing sleep this week, devising a yes! new game plan for Gardner Minshew? I don't think Nick One Sirianni ever million, He does not look like he's ever slept in his life. Ever. Like he seems like a great dude and like, and I'm sure, and I'm sure, I'm sure he's a wonderful father and husband, but like, he is the most, tired, the most tired looking human being I've yes. ever seen. And he, he, he I, I will give him credit. He does a phenomenal job. He seems like he has a good relationship with his family. His son comes out to his press conferences. Sometimes he's always very energetic, very personal with the media. Seems like again, by all accounts, really good dude. Uh, but that guy just, just looks friggin' tired. All the time. And meanwhile, John Tortorella is John Tortorella's getting a, getting a good eight hours a night. <laughs> he's he's taking his melatonin. He's got the he's got the weighted blanket on the the body pillow. He's, he's got a nice good. got a nice herbal tea with, <laughs> with some. Uh, what what do, what do you put it? What is the tea that the sleepy time tea? What's in? I don't even know what's in sleepy time tea. But yeah, yeah, melatonin's a good one though. Yeah, perfect. He's he's got he's got his orthopedic bed. He's he's good to go. It's the, the memory foam mattress. Yeah, he's he's yeah. He's Winnie the Pooh sleeping hat. <laughs> got a mask. He's got a. What is it? Did, did you watch? <laughs> sleep apnea. He's got a sleep apnea mask on. Would you? Did you? Uh, did you watch? I know. Shit I know the on? show, um, but I, I haven't. There's seen a that Eugene yet. Levy at one point, like goes into his kid's 
uh, hotel room because they're living in a motel yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And he's wearing a sleep shirt. And the kids are like, what the hell are you wearing? He goes, it's a sleep shirt. That's not the point. He goes, oh, no, it's the point. What the hell are you wearing? Was it like a gown? Yeah, it's like a, like a nice, like yeah. it looked like Ebenezer Scrooge. Like it was like one of those deals. I could see Tortorella rocking that with <laughs> not thinking about Joel Farabee. I'll tell you that much. Oh, yeah. man. But speaking of Nick Sirianni, I'll end it on this. Uh, give me your prediction Eagles, Cowboys, Christmas Eve, Saturday night. Big uh, in- Eagles 23 20. Okay. I think it's going to, I think there's going to be some points scored. Okay. I think there's going to be, uh, and I'm going to go this, I'm going to say 31 30 Eagles. Oh, man. That'd be a fun one. Right, fun, one. fun, anxiety-inducing, but fun. <laughs> fun, um, retro, fun, retro, uh, retroactively for Eagles fans, maybe. Yes, uh, fun to look back on. Like the Super Bowl wasn't fun <laughs> retroactively. Yes, During oh the game, yes, it, it wasn't really fun until like the last uh, minute and a half or so. When, the Brady sack, I I that was, that laughed was like a joker. Yeah, was... yeah, I laughed like the joker when that happened. I'm not even gonna lie. All right, but we're gonna wrap it up on there. Both of us predicting Eagles wins. Let's hope it happens on Christmas Eve. Uh, Seamus, happy holidays to you, Happy pal. holidays to, to all the to you, to everyone listening. the family, yeah. and all the listeners and re- readers or watchers out there if you are celebrating. Absolutely. And that is from all of us at the Thirsty Dogs Drink Faster podcast on the SB Nation Podcast Network. Please rate, download, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. We will be back next week, hopefully, talking about another Eagles game. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. Plot 3 from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point of the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skill and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic.